How's it going, eh? I'm Lee McCormick. Welcome to Tramps Like Us, a Bruce Springsteen podcast, episode 113, The River Tour 8081. Thanks for listening or downloading the show from the website TrampsLikeUsPod.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you found it. Stay in touch and updated at our Facebook group page, Tramps Like Us, a Bruce Springsteen podcast. For this episode, following up our two-part review of the River album, it's appropriate to focus on the 12-month, 140-show tour to promote the album, the River Tour 8081. Now, unfortunately, I didn't get to see any of these shows back then. I was too young, my concert-attending years had yet to begin, so I reached out to a few of my fellow Springsteen fans that were there to reminisce with me. Mitch Slater and Sam Grosso joined me on the show to share their memories of the tour and play some live tunes. I guess my first introduction to the tour, the, the River Tour 8081, would have been courtesy of the, the Live 7585 box set. I got that thing in, when I came out in 86. I think that was my second Springsteen record after Born in the USA. And that five-record set featured, I think, a dozen songs or so taken from that tour, including Hungry Heart, recorded December 28, 1980, at the Nassau Coliseum, Long Island, New York. I always dug the way the audience sang the first verse on their own. Sure sign of a hit record. Not just singing the chorus, but they're singing the entire first verse. I love it.
my Q107 patch. I got uh, obviously the the book. Then I've got my handwritten set lists from the shows. <laughs> wow, I mean, man. yeah. Uh, and I got, I've, and obviously I have a couple of great stories. So. All right, cool, yeah. man. So we're talking to Mitch Slater and Mitch. For the month of June on Tramps Like Us, I'm doing a whole month talking about the river. Uh, we did two big episodes talking about the album. We're probably going to do stuff about the B-sides and the outtakes and the box set. But I want to do one episode kind of just talking about that tour specifically, the River Tour 8081. So, you know, I reached out to a couple of my Bruce Springsteen friends and, uh, you know, people that were actually there. You saw a bunch of these shows, right? You know, I was just counting it up because I, I did 26 on the last, on the one just now in 2016. But I was I fell short. I think it was about fourteen to fifteen on that tour. Uh, on that tour, wow. Yeah, all all East Coast though. Not you know all from uh, Virginia up to uh, I guess Boston. Regrettably, I don't have any money to go anywhere else. You had ample opportunity to do that. So I'll just give you a few stats on that tour before we get started here. So the River Tour started in October third, nineteen eighty, Ann Arbor, Michigan. All right, first leg of the tour, forty six shows. Uh, wrapped up like New Year's Eve at uh, Nassau Coliseum in Long Island, New York, right? So 46 fun, shows fun on that first of, leg. Fun, fun piece of trivia. The first show, October 3rd, I think, 1980. Yeah. My wife was at. We obviously didn't meet till five years later. Um, and she's only been maybe to six or seven shows in her life. Uh, there's a lot of stories about her show. He, Leslie, our, our, well, there's actually a story involved with it, but she was at that first show. I asked her wow. about it the other day, and then <laughs> she, she, you know, she said that was, you know, she she didn't realize who he was until then, and and uh, she loved that show. So she, so my family was represented nice. at the opening <laughs> night. <laughs> Right, so then we go into uh, 1981. You get a three-week kind of Christmas break there. We start up the second leg in Toronto, Canada, uh, Maple Leaf Gardens. They did two shows, January 20th, 21. Uh, they do 26 more shows in USA, and then another break, uh, third leg. They kind of pushed the third leg back a bit because Bruce was so exhausted. Right, he was just kicking. he was wiped out. Oh yeah, yeah. man! Like, oh my god! So what's that? That's like uh, <laughs> that's like seven, like 60 shows, 60, 70 shows in like what six yeah. months and just he's like three hours four hour shows and 30 songs yeah, these, per were set. Long, these were these were the longest shows until the last tour yeah like 30 averaging 30 songs two sets kind of thing, right. right yeah right so then uh takes a break uh third leg the european tour he goes to the europe for kind of the first kind of big tour like he was there for born right. to run but it was kind of uh a smaller tour right so this is his first substantial tour in europe uh starts in hamburg april 7th 1981 uh, goes to june uh, playing in Birmingham. Actually, in those Birmingham shows, the last of the European leg, Pete Townsend joined them for the encores. They did, uh, was it Detroit Medley and uh, Born to Run, maybe? Something like that? Yeah, a couple of the covers. I think so, yeah. yeah, so. yeah. He did a lot of, he did so many covers on that tour. I mean, just, just my God, just yeah. incredible amount of covers. And then Home to America for kind of the, the homecoming tour, he's calling it. And what he did here right. for the final leg was he only he only played in ten cities, but he did thirty four right. shows, <laughs> right? So he kind of yeah. handpicked these cities where he was big, and he kind of did multiple shows, so he could kind of do three and four night stands, like six nights in Jersey, six nights right. in L A, and kind of stuff like that. Right. right. Uh, yeah. Wrapping up in Cincinnati, September thirteenth and fourteenth. 
when was your first show on that tour? So my first show on that tour, I was going through uh, my tickets to, to try to remember what the first one was. But I guess the first one would have been uh, November 23rd, 80, uh, at the Capitol Center. Um, I was uh, at school in D.C. and saw a lot of amazing shows. But um, my, a couple of my best memories from that show, well, first of all, I remember a uh, girl I was dating at, at the time waited in line and slept out overnight because I had to work. I was working at a radio station, actually. And um, and we and got great seats. We were I don't know somewhere. That's when you had seats on the on the floor. Um, so somewhere in this first twenty rows, nice. and uh, you know fan, fantastic show, three and a half four hours. But my <laughs> friend who I worked with in the college radio station, um, he had a side gig running the uh, video camera at the Capitol Center in Largo, Maryland, which is now the site of where the Washington football team plays. Yeah, I was going to ask, um, Mitch, the Capitol Center is Largo, Maryland, which is kind of, that's like a suburb of uh, Washington, D.C. D.C. Yeah. The cool thing about Largo, I was going to say, is that they had closed circuit, or not, is it closed circuit, or they had like TV there. They had a crew that would film yeah. the shows. So I, I was right. collecting a lot of bootlegs, right? So I got a lot of well, video bootlegs from like uh, well, Aerosmith, Kiss, I could, and I do have that Bruce show from that. Well, so do I. Yeah, and and the, the reason you have it, and the reason you have it is that uh, he could care less if I said his name. My friend Drew Lowry, um, he was one of the cameramen, and he ran a. He basically sold pretty much every night. I'll say thanks to Drew right now because I love yeah. those uh, those pro shot shows from oh, the seventies, man, in I the early eighties. You know, I had them, and you know, this is at that point I had it on three quarter inch. Um, it wasn't there wasn't VHS yet or Betamax at the time yeah. or whatever. You know, it was. This was 1981. So it was all on three quarter inch. And I remember I was doing an internship at a at CBS in Washington. This is right after the Reagan assassination tent, um, which was a really interesting show uh, he played. And um, I was they were able to transfer at least the audio off of that onto a cassette for me. Yeah. And then, you know, it took me years until I was able to transfer it onto VHS, which I still have the VHS of. Of those shows, they were amazing. Amazing, they were great. I mean, I mean, the, the, you know, the river, the darkness tour was my first tour. Um, you know, I first saw Bruce in September of '78, so this was still very fresh to me. I mean, I wish when I was 15 and 16, I was seeing them, mm -hmm. but uh, wasn't happening. Um, so you know, it, it was just incredible energy uh the other thing i remember about that night in dc is i went with a buddy of mine who i wound up going to so many shows with over the years and his girlfriend's best friend's name was sherry and she we were sitting real close and she at that point bruce was dancing with girls during sherry darn mm -hmm. um on that part of the tour and she, and she got brought up on stage she goes my name is sherry and and I th I think he said, "Let me see your license." <laughs> and she showed him the license, and she got and she was dancing on stage during Sherry Darling, and we were right there. And, and my my buddy has uh, has some of those pictures from that. It was incredible, oh, that's incredible so much show. Fun, yeah. And was yeah. that when he was opening? He opened a few shows with Born to Run on that tour, right? It's on the on the first leg. Was that yeah. one of the shows? Did you yeah, see that? Yeah, this was this was part of that first leg. Yeah, we opened Born to Run. And did you know that was coming? Did you know that was coming? Because that was probably a surprise. You couldn't kind of see setlists in no. advance back then. So that must have no, been like first song, Born to Run. Idea. Holy shit! Right? 
Yeah, yeah. Well, he opened up the Burn Arena, which uh, wound up becoming the uh, Continental and then the Izod Arena in New Jersey. Um, in July of 81, the first night they opened the christened the Arena, first night, lights on, born to run. That I remember even more because that was so exciting. Yeah. The new arena in Jersey, opening night, he was playing, I think, seven or eight nights. It's July. Um, I think it was like July 2nd or 3rd. It was early July. I have tickets uh, to that one, too. But that I really remember the Born to Run. TV station to go in and show a little bit of it because it was a, it was an event. Yeah. yeah. But Bruce, you know, he wasn't doing interviews about it. I mean, there was nothing going on. Yeah, you know, there was, was very different Bruce, obviously. Yeah. Speaking about those shows in July there, the, that the, those open the homecoming tour, they were around like the 4th of July. So everybody had firecrackers in the arena and he was yeah. lighting them off. He was kind of getting pissed and he kind of, he was furious. Yeah, well, he he had a he had a I think uh, might have been bottom line or somewhere where you know he got he got almost lost his eye. Yeah. Um, and you know he made it as soon as he saw it. He, uh, it was one of the nights, and he stopped the show, and you know said to security, "Get these get these assholes out of here." Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he yeah. was not putting up with it. Back in those days, they'd go to rock concerts. You hear the cherry bombs going off and everything. It's <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Bruce did Bruce. Well, never a fan of that, that's for sure. Um, but, yeah, great. You know, I mean, they, they, they oh, were great. You know, and back then, of course, the sets, there were two sets. Um, and usually the first set ended with Thunder Road. It was, it was uh, you know, sometimes Badlands into Thunder Road. Sometimes it would be racing into Thunder Road where he would tell the same story he told in 78, 79, yeah. you know, going out west. Um and pretty much, I don't know, most of the times he started the second set with Rambot. I remember that being the big first song of the second set. Hello, he'll be here soon. The crowd is certainly here. We're expecting a packed, sold-out crowd this evening. This is the start of the big-time indoor entertainment era for rock and roll here in North Jersey, here at the Brendan Byrne Arena in North Rutherford. As you had said, the Springsteen show is sold out tonight. And it will be checked out, the show and the arena, by a lot of media, of course. But along with that, writers and critics from music publications nationwide. Inside this afternoon, workmen were putting the finishing touches to satisfy last-minute needs for tonight's opening. The smell of paint and the heavy odor of adhesives used to tack the flooring filled the air. And so did a great feeling of accomplishment and pride. 
Even though the official opening isn't until July 14th, the arena had decided to have its first show tonight, mainly because it was a Bruce Springsteen concert. When you have a, a show as popular as Bruce Springsteen, a New Jersey born and bred actor who is so popular, you know, we could have sold 384,000 tickets in the first day and a half, which would be the equivalent of 16 full houses. So when you've got that kind of a talent, you're going to do the show. Even though the arena isn't totally 100% completed, those 20,000 fans expected for tonight's Springsteen concert won't notice the unfinished areas. They'll have all they'll need to have a good time. I want you, baby!
watching that video that came with the Ties the Bind box set a few years ago, the Tempe, Arizona oh, show. from Arizona, right, oh, right. Man, exactly. that, that, that video is so good, eh? It's, it's, oh, I know. It's incredible. The sound is great. Like, it's amazing that that gem was, like, in the vaults for so long. But an interesting thing about that show, it was the day after Reagan was elected. Right, and he he has a moment where he says, uh, "What does he say?" Uh, I don't know. If, he, I don't was, know what you guys think about what happened last night. Yeah, right. But it, it's I'm it's kind of frightening, and you guys are right. kind of the future. And then he kind of goes right into a, like a ferocious version of Badlands, right? Yeah, no killer, and and I, the show is in you know Arizona, I think, and um, university. Uh, so it's like university know, kids yeah. too, like in, in the right. Too, so right? It, you know, Arizona, I don't think was as much of a red state as it was back then. Um, so he had a lot of support in that crowd. Yeah, he got a good um, cheer. And it's yeah, the version yeah, they, uh, it's the version of Badlands is the one that was used on the live seventy five eighty five box. Correct. But they cut right. the uh the the intro yeah. off, right? Yeah. But you get it yeah, on the on lot. the Tempe Arizona show, you can get that. guys think about what happened last night, but I think it's pretty frightening. You guys are young, there's going to be a lot of people depending on you coming up, so this is for you. Comment about that Tempe, Arizona show, Mitch. I, you know how I love those kind of two or three songs in a row that kind of just hit you over the head. There's a run he does in there, which is uh, Crush on You into Ramrod into You Can Look, but you better not touch. And it's just so ferocious. It's just like one song after another is like a, a hot rod just ripping your head off. <laughs> I love it. Man. Yeah, I mean, it, it was just, you know, I mean, I'm just looking at some of the reviews that I had saved from then. And this was, uh, this was Washington Post. And, you know, uh, better than any live performance we've ever seen, including Mick Jagger, Bob Seger, um, things that Van Morrison would not risk. Uh, 
He worked the crowd as finely as Muhammad Ali or Billy Graham ever did. Um, and, and talked about opening. He did open with Born to Run that night. Um, some of the older songs have been reworked, perhaps reflecting Springsteen's lighter attitude of late, Promised Land and Badlands, both very dark pieces in the Darkness Tour, were done as full-fledged rockers. Um, and and that would kind of you know go into Thunder Road as he would end the set. Um, and a lot of these articles talking about Clarence really they saw more of King the King Curtis Clarence on that tour well Clarence Um, was slick man Clarence had that suit going he had one of those like shark skin suits the whole tour right (laughs) looking sharp yeah yeah I mean he it was great I mean I I tell you I look back you know I mean honestly I look back on, on on that whole tour and probably the thing that bothers me the most is you know here I am working at a radio station DC 101 which was the rock station and it was kick-ass rock and roll was what it was called and i was really the only big springsteen fan there so it's shocking um, when you think of it when you look when album, you think of that in hindsight it's shocking right 1980s there's, shocking. there's no so the album uh, and again i was interning for howard stern that's a whole separate story and you're in but, new jersey uh, right was this new jersey or washington? no 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 this is washington, washington dc because okay. I, I was in college i was i was program director of my college station but doing an internship at the main rock station and part of my job was to drive around a Model T car around Maryland and Northern Virginia and give out tickets. And I remember giving out, t- you know, ticket out tickets for when I, I got Springsteen tickets to give out. Um, let me just tell you that uh, I can't think of an easier way to meet women than oh, it is yeah. to be holding Springsteen <laughs> tickets when you're 21 years old working for a, the hottest radio station around. Yeah, sure. But the coolest thing was I knew that the day that they were going to get the album. And they got the album about a week before they were allowed to play it. And no one really cared. So I was there. I saw the box. I opened it up. I go into one of the studios, and I'm sitting there, and I'm listening to the river, you know, before anybody had a chance. And I I couldn't believe it. You know, and I couldn't take it back to the dorm. I mean, I you know, it was... Was Hungry Heart out? Was the single single released yet? No. Hungry Heart? So you you hadn't even heard that yet, eh? I haven't even heard it. I mean, this is just the album. This is before the tour. And I'm just, I remember sitting there. I remember the, and I think many fans feel this way. I remember listening to every album from darkness on, you know, where I was. I mean, I, but, yeah, yeah. but that more than ever, um, maybe one other one that, that I just, just, you know, I was sitting there in that radio station and I'm yelling to one of the DJs. You gotta listen to this song. You know, this is unbelievable, and and it was hungry hard. And you know, I said, "Oh, that's a hit." And yeah, you know, it certainly was a hit. That was uh, that you know that really uh, set him off. And and uh, oh my god, that was yeah. a great thing. And I got the river jacket. They gave the satin river jackets. Oh yeah, it was early eighties satin jackets, eh? DJ and jacket. I had it, and I it moved to L.A. with me. It moved to Philadelphia with me. And somewhere between Philadelphia and New Jersey, uh, by one of my moves, move. I lost Damn. it. Uh, I, 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 was it like black satin with blue type on it? Yes. Oh, beautiful. Yep. <laughs> and and I had and I had you know and I had the all the radio station stuff. I had you know held up without a gun. Uh, the the ten inch. I have that uh, mirror promo, room actually. Promos and everything I have, like that. Wow. I have I have the promo one of that. Um, I mean, it was it was a cool time to be at a radio station, especially one where. I was the only guy that was like 
so into the fan birth, and so. you got all that swag yeah <laughs> yeah and, I, and then i got you know at least while i was there i got fantastic tickets and um phone numbers yeah, and stuff oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the other the other major highlight for me of the well i guess this would be the biggest highlight and and it, it stayed with me was i guess this is leg three of the tour and he comes back but he doesn't play dc he goes down to hampton virginia to the hampton coliseum and I think this was the third, second or third to last show before he went to Europe. Okay. Second leg. Second leg. Yeah. yeah second leg. End of the second leg. And yeah. it's the end of the second leg. And um, I said to the station, I said, we should cover this. You know, it's only two hours from here. And they said, all right, well, why don't you call in live? Which let me explain to you what call in live meant. Call in live was I had to leave the arena, go to a phone booth, and I had a number to call. And I went live on the air. It was about 1030 at night with Chris Montgomery, who was the DJ. And I had described the first set. I have this somewhere in a cassette tape. And <laughs> it's one of these things I, I got to find that I know I have. Yeah, we should be able to um, We should drop that audio in right here. <laughs> yeah, well, if I find it in the next couple of days, it's yours. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm going on and on and on. And, and, you know, this is the first time I ever heard him play Cool stop the rain. He played this. This was only maybe the third or fourth show that he played. This land is your land. He had just started yeah. playing it, I think, in L.A. So I mean that you know that set. Because I have that. I mean that Hampton set list. Um, wait, I have that here. Um, yeah, that night was prove it all night into out in the street. Tenth darkness, Independence Day, uh, and that was the oh, first time he did. Who'll stop the rain on the tour? Then uh, Two Hearts, Promised Land, uh, This Land is Your Land, only the third time on the tour. Then he did River, and that's when he was using the Once Upon a Time in the West outro at the end. It was really cool. Then A Killer, Badlands, into Thunder Road. Then I went and made my phone call. Second set, Ramrod into Fire, into Candy's Room, into You Can Look, into Fourth of July, into For You, into wreck on the highway, which, you know, people were like all running to the bathroom. I was just mesmerized by it Um, back then into racing in the street. I thought that was just such a great back to back wreck on the highway. Right. And then, and then finishing up with Cadillac, Sherry, hungry heart and Rosie. And then the encores that night were I'm a rocker, jungle land, born to run and Detroit medley. And the show was three hours and, 49 minutes and <laughs> how can you complain i, I mean if you, you if, if you ask to this day to this day uh that is my favorite show of all time wow okay now, so what's hampton mean, virginia and right. we're talking now, like it's like, yeah it's march march 2nd uh was it march 2nd 81 
you know probably within a few months um i you know it's never been released by nugs.net they released a lot of shows around that but you know they didn't they didn't record enough on the river tour yeah. they just really didn't didn't exist yeah until the ties the bind box set came out and we had that video and, and that tempe show there wasn't there was only the bootleg stuff there wasn't any kind of pro shot no. stuff there wasn't any like no there was nothing. like a handful of songs made it to the the 75 85 box set but that's it look when, when you think yeah. of the darkness show there was all those soundboards and everything right so everything everything and and just thank god i forget the guy that shot it in arizona now but I mean, thank God he, he, you know, was able to do that. And um, but so flash forward it to uh, April of 2001 and uh, actually March of 2001, the Devils are uh, New Jersey Devils are playing. And uh, this was skate with the Devils night. And Max Weinberg's seats were near my seats. And I met him a couple of times. And Jay is the same age as my son, Harrison. Mm-hmm. So uh, Harrison is out skating on the ice with Brodeur and everybody and Jay Weinberg. And I'm standing there with Max. And Harrison, my son, comes over and says to Max, he goes, my dad wants to meet your boss. And I'm like, oh, geez. you know, he was he was seven <laughs> years old or eight years old. So Max says, you want to meet him, huh? I go, it would it would it, it's on my bucket list. You know, it'd be something I'd love to do. And I was 41 years old at the time. And he said, well, as a matter of fact, the Kristen Ann Carr benefit is coming up um, in at the end of April. And if you or your company you work for can put up ten thousand dollars. Um, I can get you into the VIP room. There will probably only be 50 people. I will personally introduce you to Bruce and, and, and you can sit down and talk to him for a few minutes. Now, this was a very different time in my industry. All right. In the financial service for a dinner in the financial (laughs) serve in the financial, no, forget the dinner plate financial services industry. This was, this was like just a crazy time. I was working at Merrill Lynch. Money was being made left and right. Yeah. Money was being spent left and right. Okay. Right place, right time. Um, Max knew uh, who you person, were and he was kind of hitting you up a little bit too. I'm sure. You know? I, I think so. Yeah. I guess. But so I went, I, I, now, you know, I didn't think they'd do this. I said, listen, 
Um, I have an opportunity for three of my best clients to meet Bruce Springsteen. Um, and the question was, would you like a limo? Not how much really would you like a limo? And it was mostly because I had done a lot of a particular mutual fund at the time, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, which if people stayed in, they did very well. Um, and of course, the three people I took were my buddies. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, my clients, I, I thought about it. It was only one client that really cared. And I did ask him. He couldn't come. They're probably so like I Paul Simon me. fans or some bullshit. Right? Exactly. <laughs> and I, I, I exactly always 30 years older, right? Um, to say the money. And I took these guys and it was, at, it was in the, um, uh, Oh God, it was, uh, in a, in a, Oh my God, I forget the name of the building, but, um, it, it wasn't at, uh, Tribeca where, where a lot of the shows have been in the last 10 years. Um, and we get there and I, you know, I have a special pass and, and we walk in this room and, and at that point, Max, Max was there. Uh, Bruce hadn't been there. I saw Clarence, saw Steven, and I hadn't met anyone in the band wow. at this point. I didn't I know anybody. Max comes up, talk to him for a while. Uh, he meets my friends. And then. And sorry, Mitch, Bruce. this is 2001. So this is like. This is 2001. So this is okay? reunion tour, late night tel television era kind of stuff. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. And I walk in, and Bruce walks in with Patty. Bruce has got makeup on. First thing I. What? Notice is the guy's wearing makeup. And I don't mean like Bowie, you know, I mean, but he, had, he clearly had some makeup on. Was he on know? TV? He must have been on TV earlier or some bullshit, something like that. Or No, I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll tell you, I'll tell you what I found out afterwards. Um, so he goes and he sits at this. So, okay. First he walks by me and he's with Patty and Max says, Bruce, Patty, I'd like you to meet my good friend, Mitch. Oh, that's awesome. Bruce nods his head. I think we might've shaken hands. Patty goes, I'll never forget this. Bruce, it's Mitch. I know you were dying to meet him tonight. <laughs> I mean, what a wise ass, but I, you know, who cared? I mean, you know, was it, so a, was it goes, a joke or was she kind of just being a little snotty? Oh, she was just being smug, totally being oh, smug. Well, I, I mean, like it, it is what it is. Whatever it was, I was there. Bruce goes and sits down. Yeah. Clarence goes and sits and talks to him. Steven's there. He's talking to him. Roy's talking to him. And I'm just standing there. Max says, don't worry. Don't worry. I told the bodyguard. This was not Tony at the time. It was a, a different guy. And he says, he says, you, you, your four people are going to go and sit with him. Finally, I see Bruce nod to Max. And Clarence, they must have talked for 20 minutes. Now, this was like a 90-minute thing that went on before the event. And at the event, um, you know, people were eating and drinking. And Bruce was walking around the room and then left. Mm -hmm. You know, he wasn't playing. He never played then unless it was um, at an arena. Mm -hmm. So he invites me over. I sit down. And then, you know, what do you say to, other than your family, the most important person in the world to you <laughs> that you could ever meet? All right. What do you say? I look at him. I go, Hampton, March 2nd, 81. He looks at me and he goes, a lot of people love that show. I said, yeah. I said, I said, I'll never forget it. I was covering it for a radio station. Uh, you played this. You Like he didn't know. You played this. You played that. Yeah. He's nodding his head. I'm going on and on. And I can see the bodyguard going, let's go. Right, so quickly, boy, I, got yeah. my, I got my photo. I got a great photo. 
my buddy goes next, who I've gone to so many shows with. He sits down. He just gets a photo. He's gone. The third guy goes, and the third guy, Jim Seattle, Jim had met him like Jim. Jim went to the same gym as him. He'd met him a bunch of times. Yeah. So he took his picture. And then the fourth guy, who was the news producer at News 12 New Jersey, who was an, an enormous fan who lives in Arizona, Mike Weissman, I'll never forget it. The bodyguard goes, that's enough. <laughs> and he was so mad at the third guy who went because he had five pictures with him. Yeah. So anyway. So this the news guy, I'm man. Trying always back. trying to get his mug in front of the camera and trying to get the right angle. I know. Yeah, it's the news guy, I just, yeah. I'm, I'm t- <laughs> it just ties back to, you know, what do I say to Bruce the first time I met him, Hampton? standing by live now at the arena and Gloria how is the concert going oh it's so wonderful Ernie right now I'm almost resentful of standing out here in the emptiness while Springsteen is performing inside but I never thought I'd say that but I got to do my job out here 
The Brendan Byrne Arena opened tonight, part of the Meadowlands Complex, and 20,000 young people turned out to see the opening performance by a native son, Bruce Springsteen. It's magic. Even if you're from the Perry Como generation, you feel the energy inside. Half the audience is on their feet, standing, clapping, swaying, and it's a four-hour interlude of rapture. You know, it's like a historic event. It's like, I put in the same category as when I saw the Beatles. The new arena is acclaimed for its fine acoustics and its visibility, but that's not what impresses a lot of fans. Well, they say that this Brendan Byrne Arena is the best. Do you think it's going to make a difference? No, it's the man that makes the show. It's not the place. I never quite understood before why ticket scalping would be the problem it is and why kids make such crazy efforts to get tickets. Now, maybe I do. I sent, I sent four orders and I got two back. I got my money back for the other two. I thought they checked to make sure that only, you know, different names, different addresses. We got it from a friend of ours who I work with. How much did you pay for it? 30 bucks. That's a friend? Well, hey. 30 bucks. <laughs> Up right here. What? Five more nights of Springsteen, and then the arena goes into its regular schedule of concerts and shows and basketball with the New Jersey Nets. And right now I'm going to go back in and see a little more Springsteen. I'm Gloria Rojas, live at the Meadowlands, back to the studio. The second time I, I, I got to really talk to him was the night um, after he did um, uh, Colbert um, after the uh, book came out. And Colbert had asked him on the air, um, tell me your five favorite Bruce Springsteen songs. And Bruce goes through four of them. And he's, I see he's struggling. And I'm sitting in the second row at the, at the theater because my buddy and his wife are good friends with um, Colbert's wife. They live in Montclair, New Jersey. And I yell out racing. And Bruce goes, you can see it on the, if you go on YouTube, you see, you hear a guy yell racing. He goes, yes. Um, I'm trying to skip it. What are we? What are we? All right, I'll go, I'll go. Badlands, you play every concert, right? All right. Well, <laughs> all right, these, it's your life, Bruce. These, it's your life. These, are, these, these folks are all planted now, but uh, uh, maybe you can do a jungle land. Racing in the street. That was easy. <laughs> the next day was the book signing in Freehold. You know, he did all the book signings. Yeah. And, and I walk up to him and he looks at me and he goes, racing guy. I go, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, we're here to talk about the River Tour. I apologize. No, man, those are good. Those are good. Color. Those are good uh, tangents to go off on. Good, good side yeah. stories, man. Yeah. A couple more questions before I let you go here, Mitch. Do you remember any of the merchandise? I know you said you, you got a, you had a program. Do you remember any of the shirts or posters? Yeah. What were they selling at those merch stands back in the eighties? Um, they were selling. Okay, so they were selling um, the, sh the, the 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 Frank Stefanko picture. You know that just like they sold it in. 2016 they were selling the flannel shirts they had the black and white flannel shirts back then yeah yeah not throughout the whole tour but they wow. had it then that's amazing that's they a had piece of yeah they had um uh the, the jackets limited amount but and they were like at the time you know 175 dollars they'd probably be 700 dollars if they were selling them now wow um 
And, you know, I think there were keychains and, 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 and there might have been mugs and there were a lot of T-shirts. Those jerseys, um, like baseball jerseys with the white and the black sleeves. Right. Or, with a picture right, of them and right. I've seen and those I, ones. I, and... I, I actually don't, don't even come close to fitting me anymore, but <laughs> I do I do have one of those. And uh, my friend Mark has like four different shows from – four different uh, shirts from that tour. So there was a lot of merch, you know, and you had intermission. So you had, you know, you had time to sell the merch. That's that's probably a key thing. John Land was like, "Yeah, we get an intermission, and then we can sell all that merch and more beer in the main." <laughs> oh yeah, they. I think they they really they really made some money. You know, they really made some money there. And uh, yeah, I mean, those were those were just great. But you know, I, I think you should talk a little bit about all the cover songs he played. You know, as far as the the repertoire he was playing with at the time, right? He had only like what 30 30 songs before the river right he puts the river right. together he had 20 more songs to the set list right and i i looked at some statistics mm-hmm. here he played uh like four four songs off greetings he played three songs off wild innocent he played everything off born the run he played right. seven songs off darkness he didn't play streets of fire or something in the night adam raised a cane right and i mean like he hit these songs at least one time during the tour exactly right and exactly. he played every song off the river at least once on that tour right so that's uh um, that's 42 songs out of 54 that he'd written along with that. Yeah, he also he, played a couple of the, like he did because of the night fire held up without a gun, uh, rendezvous, Johnny bye-bye. Some of those outtakes mm-hmm. B-sides he played. Jolie blown. He did, uh, well, that's the covers, yeah, right? And then he did like what? Yeah. 30, 40 covers that he would sprinkle in there. Right. Yeah. I mean, ones. you know, yeah. I mean, uh, I hear just a couple that I remember, uh, well, good rocking tonight, obviously follow that dream. Um, he did Old Lang Syne. Uh, I mean, I didn't even mention the Nassau Coliseum show. I was at one of the, I was at the New Year's Eve one. Um, I've had, that's one of the and, early boot, bootlegs I had. I love that show. That's yeah. a long show too. He does, I think 38 songs in there. He does. Yeah. Uh, but there's a great, uh, two pack of held up without a gun into, in the midnight hour, just before the, uh, right. Clock strikes exactly. 12, which is badass. Right? It was, it was, yeah, I, I, it was an incredible night. <laughs>
You know, it's interesting because they released another, uh, Nugs released another show from that Nassau stand. The 29th. And the 29th. That was the a really great show. I didn't, I didn't see the 29th, but that, I think the 29th was an even better, better show. I mean, when I, when I look at that set list, but you know, he was doing, uh, he did on top of old Smokey. He did, uh, <laughs> you know, Rave on rocking all over the world, run through the jungle uh sea cruise i remember one of the shows we played sea cruise and i just heard it the other day on east street radio i forget where it was from i think it was one of the jersey shows He played the Yellow Rose of Texas. He did um, War. I he was think doing that War. Was the Houston show. Yeah, cool. yeah, yeah. He did War. Um, I think he only did it once. I'm not really sure um, the date on that one. There's a nice um, version of Can't Help Falling in Love that he did in England on from Wembley. Yes, the Elvis song. Yep. That's I like that one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, like you said, there's just there weren't, a, you know, there weren't broadcasts. There weren't. He didn't do any radio shows. I mean, yeah. you know, it's just. It was just a very different kind of thing, but uh, you know, the tour the tour went on a long time. I mean, just a long time. I mean, God, I mean, just just incredible. I mean, the the sports arena shows. I'm looking. They, they actually list on the, the revenue. Oh, I guess one other main point we should make on that tour, and I was at this show. So uh, this is December of 1980. Uh, a lot of people are watching Monday Night Football. And I was actually getting, I knew the next day I was going to the Spectrum to see Bruce. And I was in D.C. And um, I was actually on the air when John Lennon was killed on my college radio station. Nobody heard it. But I remember thinking, my God, are they going to play that show? They're going to play that show. They had a gig the 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 day after, right? The The night after. the The after. The night after. And Bruce comes out. And first thing he says, and I learned later that Stephen did not want him 
to play that show. And it was a very, uh, a, a lot of discussions about that, apparently. Um, but Bruce came out, and you can hear it on a, on a that, I think there's a bootleg from that night or somewhere. Um, and he says, you know, on a night like this, I don't know what else there is to do but to play rock and roll. And he went into Born to Run. That's right, yeah, you opened the show that way. And then they, I think they closed the show with Twist and Shout, right? Correct, and he closed the show with Twist and Shout. Bookending it for Johnny. Yeah, yeah. Good stuff, man. All right, Mitch. Well, thanks yep. for sharing some of those moments there. I really appreciate you sharing that because, you know, as a guy that wasn't there to see some of those shows, it's nice to live vicariously through you on these, these moments. Uh, right? That's how I feel about all the people that were at Palladium on my 16th birthday yep. or, uh, you know, uh, the just, oh my God. You know, it's that's the crazy thing about of all of this, right? You know, we, we're never satisfied, you know, like, well, I was at this great show, but I missed that great show. And uh, but as Bruce says, the older you get, the more it means, right? So, <laughs> all right, man. Did you want to plug anything? You got your podcast still going there? Yeah, Mitch? yeah, I do. Um, I, I'm going to plug something, and I'm going to give you a scoop on this because I have not told anybody about this. I don't know when this is going to air, but um, my podcast, financially speaking, which um, does have financial in the title. Um, I tend to somehow get a Bruce or a, a music element into every episode. Yeah. And I've been lucky enough to interview Nils and I've had Steven and I've had Tom Zinni and, and Stefanko and, and Danny Clinch. But for show number 100, I will have the mighty Max Weinberg. Um, and we will be recording it at Danny Clinch's gallery. And Max will be sitting at the drums while I interview him. Oh, I'm so jealous, so man. I'm so jealous, Mitch. Really? Well, if you can get down, I'll get you a place. Ooh, I, might be, I might have to look Talk into to that. Talk to me off the air. I don't, want, I don't want to give out the tape. All right, man. So let's uh, let's leave on a song. We'll pick a song from that tour for that you... Uh, something off the river, one of the covers. Yeah. One of the classics. Gotta, it's got to be river. and and, and I mean, it's got to be off the river. And, and for me, there's just nothing better... My greatest memories of those shows are Sherry Darl. I just think that there was just so much fun and and the crowd, the crowd noise, then the girls dancing and and uh, that was that blew me away every single show. So I mean, it's a toss up between that and you know playing like this land is your land, but I think people want to hear Sherry Darling. Sherry Darling.
Great to talk again with uh, my friend Sam Grosso. No, Sam. Hey, Lee. How are you? Yeah, good, man. So, uh, yeah, so let's talk about those shows. Was it January of 1980? Yeah, these shows shows? were, yeah, this was the second leg of the River Tour, right? He started in, I think it was October. He did the first leg, and he he wrapped up around New Year's Eve, took a few weeks off. And in the first two shows of the second leg, he played Toronto Maple Leaf Gardens on the 20th and 21st of January. 1980, yeah. Yeah. So 81, 81, January 81, right? Yeah. Oh, 81. Yeah. Okay, 81, 81. So I was, I guess I was, I was uh, just about to turn 13, I guess, in April of 81. So what happened is I had no idea who who this cat was. And I was, uh, at the time, I was listening to a lot of like, as I'm listening to now, I guess I'm listening to a lot of Elvis and Buddy Holly, right? Yeah. And um, uh, but I was really on a Buddy Holly kick at 13, 
And um, I can't remember if it was the first show or the second show that he opened up with. Uh, was it Ray Vaughn? I, I, I don't have the set list in front of me. I don't know about either of those. I know he, the, the second show that was pretty cool, he opened up with Night into Out in the Street, which I thought was was awesome. Oh. The night okay. before that, though, I, I don't know if it was, uh, uh, let me think. See, I got it right here. I remember uh, him opening up with uh, Ray Vaughn. Uh, Maybe it was the first, but anyway. See, this I one was, says prove it was, all uh, night. This says prove it all night for the twentieth. Oh, really? Eh? Yeah. Well, maybe he played it in the set or an encore or something. I, I can't remember, yeah, but yeah. I do remember him playing that. And uh, I was, uh, I guess, I was twelve, almost thirteen, and um, and I was, uh, yeah, I was, you know, one of those hustlers in the stands there selling ice cream bars in the middle of January right. to all the stoners, to all the stoners that went to the show. Right? <laughs> <laughs> oh.
if I if you're 12 years old and you're walking out with 30 dollars in your pocket, that's a lot of money, right? Yeah, so, for sure. So you weren't even you were you were working the show. You were just selling ice cream bars there. Is that what it was? Yeah, I was working. I was working inside the gardens, and oh, I right, actually okay. worked there for I worked there for a long time. I uh, actually ended up working full time uh, for for one year. But yeah, so I was just mesmerized about this guy on stage. So I. Uh, I quickly, uh, uh, you know, finished up what I was doing and uh, went to watch the whole concert. And um, and I just remember saying to my brother and my brother-in-law, you got to take me to Detroit. I got to see this next show at the Joe Lewis Arena. So we went we went to that show as well. Wow. And that was, do you remember how long after this one it was? Was it a few weeks or? Oh, I can't remember. You, 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 like you'd have to bring up the tour schedule, but like, it must have been a couple of weeks. I remember yeah. us going on a bus tour. You know, they had those bus packages. And um, uh, I, I want to say that uh, Mitch Ryder got up on stage. Oh, yeah. Maybe. Well, he was doing that Detroit yeah, but, medley all the time, right? That was always part of the, the encore yeah. when he was doing Detroit medley. So that yeah. might have been uh, appropriate, you know, for Detroit for sure. <laughs> what the-
Let's go.
You know, from then on, I was just hooked. I was, I was hooked. I was uh, like, you couldn't uh, stop me from listening to him. So yeah, that I was know. it. You know. Yeah. And I know you love, uh, you love Buddy Holly. You said they're in Elvis and the Rockabilly. And you know, yeah. Bruce. You know, he he loves that music too. And I, this era, that and especially this tour, he was letting his sideburns go. Did you notice that? <laughs> this is like, yeah, this, yeah. He had that. He had that. Uh, yeah, like the Elvis Conway Twitty long, Elvis Con- long pork chop yeah. sideburns going. Like these are the longest yeah. sideburns in the Springsteen era. You know, so <laughs> yeah. that was, you know, you know. Actually, think I'm thinking about sideburns and all, but uh, I think maybe about that same year or the year before. My my first concert at the gardens uh, that I went to, I wasn't even working there. I was too young. But the first concert I went to was a uh, policeman's ball, which was like a policeman's association uh, concert. And uh, they used to put on these country shows. So I went and uh, uh, on the bill was Barbara Mandrell, uh, George Jones, uh, the Good Brothers, who actually ended up playing at the Cadillac Lounge. But the headliner was Conway Twitty. Nice. And I, I was, I was, I was blown away by Conway Twitty. It was unbelievable. The, the women went crazy, and was this the, the songs. Was this the seventies, Sam? Uh, it maybe it was seventy nine because I remember the week after I saw Kiss the Dynasty tour. That was right. seventy nine, right? Yeah, that, yeah, 79. So, so, uh, so I was, I was into Rockabilly, but I also joined the Kiss Army, and uh, <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm glad I'm not in the Kiss Army anymore. But I'm. Definitely, uh, he had tramps still, you know? <laughs> yeah, same with me, man. I, you know, my, my, my Kiss fandom, uh, along with my professional wrestling and Star Wars fandom, I like to say, ended the, in the 20th century, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, everything before that, I'm, I'm down with anything after that. I'm like, I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan anymore. <laughs> yeah. Was yeah. it was it every second Sunday wrestling at the gardens? Every I remember Sunday or well, I was big into wrestling in the in the in mid eighties. There were like from, from, from oh, yeah. like eighty three to eighty seven. I was big into wrestling, and wrestling was always like it was one once a month Sundays at the at Maple Leaf Gardens. There, you know? yeah, good times. So With Billy Red Lions, don't Red you dare Lions. miss it. <laughs> Tomorrow night, right here in Toronto's Maple Leaf Gardens, promoter Jack Penny presents the card we've all been waiting for. You'll be seeing such stars as Jerry Allen, S.D. Jones, Frenchie Martin, Nikolai Volkov, the big Russian. He faces Paul, Mr. Wonderful Orndorff. Tag action has the Ugandan headhunter Kamala and Sika going against Paul Roma and Jim Powers. Ladies' world title match. Sherry Martel defends her title against the former champion, the fabulous Moolah. The barber, Brutus Beefcake, he will battle dangerous Danny Davis. 
the junkyard dog. Goes against a million-dollar man, and topping it off, the match the whole wrestling world is talking about, the one-man gang. Goes against the one and only Hulk Hogan. Well, you know something, Billy Red? I just want the one-man gang to check out the largest back in the world. And just in case the airport's closed down or the runways have some potholes, gang, you can go ahead and land your plane on my back. I won't mind one bit. But I want to explain one thing to you. To take the World Wrestling Federation heavyweight title from me, the first thing you're going to have to do is take two of the largest arms in the world and snap them in half. And after you do that, brother, you got to roll the Hulkster over on the largest back in the world and pin me for a one, two, three count. It can't be done. Let me tell you something, man. You're in the wrong territory, brother. This is Hulk country. I own Toronto and all the Hulkamaniacs. We live by the three demandments of training, saying our prayers, and eating our vitamins, and we can get by any obstacles as long as we believe. I gotta say one thing, brother. If you go to the top rope and put the knee in the back of my head and come crashing down, I'll bench press you through the ionosphere just like I would the sun if it was to fall out of the sky. And what you gonna do when Hulkamania and the largest arms in the world run wild on you? Tomorrow night, 7.30 p.m. right here in Toronto's Maple Leaf Gardens. Don't you dare miss this one. You saw those shows, and I guess, you know, you were a young kid and you, you didn't have any of the records, right? So you're hearing these songs for the first time, seeing them live from the band. Do you, are, do you remember any songs that stood out from his catalog? Like, any songs that made you go out and buy the River album after seeing that show? Like, what was the first Springsteen album you bought after seeing that live show? Um, I, You know what? At that time, I was spending a lot of time with my older sister and her husband, and they had uh, they had Born to Run, Darkness, and The River, so I was listening to them all the time after that. And um, but I probably the first record I bought myself had to be Nebraska. At Honest Ed's, I bought that at Honest Ed's. I remember where I bought it. Wicked. <laughs> yeah. Any moments stand out in your mind from those shows, those Detroit shows or the Toronto shows? Oh, I just remember like four hours, four and a quarter hours, yeah. and prove it all night and uh, night and uh cadillac ranch and all, all it was just you know because you would you know go to concerts or you know you know i would work at the concerts for like whatever aerosmith and all these bands and they would do like an hour and a half and that was it you know yeah. they, don't, they had an opening band half hour intermission and the band would come on and do 90 minutes and it was like uh boring you know yeah, so yeah. <laughs> when uh, it was, it was just so. Uh, seeing that Springsteen show was so exciting. It was uh, for me. It was different. You know, it was like a mixture of uh, rocking tunes and ballads and a couple covers, and it was just so high energy. And I, I just loved it. I loved it. Yeah, man. And the one thing to say about this era, this this, he's doing two sets, right? Like you were saying, opening bands and playing for ninety minutes. Yeah, thirty songs, 25, 30 songs. You know, we're getting into three and a half hour long concerts. And yeah, and he's playing all these songs off of his early records. He tried to mirror a live concert with that album, with with the the kind of party rockers and the ballads and the country and the rockabilly and the soul. That's what he brings in a live show, right? So you get all these ups and downs, ballads, you know, rockers, slow songs. They were epic, epic shows. And uh, I think, um, and so, you know, like Maple Leaf Gardens, you know, has that special place, right? And and, and the first time I met Bruce was 1988. 
backstage at Maple Leaf Gardens for the Amnesty Tour. And I remember having, I I since lost it, but I remember having these little booklets that they were handing out the, uh, the charter of the, uh, you know, human rights. And, uh, and I saw him backstage and, uh, cause I had, I was working and I had all keys and this and that. Right. And, um, Peter Gabriel and all these cats are back there. And I, I see, uh, Bruce and I'm like, wow, if I don't go up to him now and, and, and and just, you know, say hello or meet him, I'm never going to get that chance again, you know? And uh, so I did. Yeah, I did. And he was hanging out with Patty at the time. And um, and uh, yeah, I just say, hey, man, big fan, you know, and uh, looking forward to the show and the whole bit and um, got him to sign that little booklet. And that was it. You know, cool, no man. pictures, no photos. <laughs> yeah, that's a good moment, though. It's a memorable moment. Oh, it's a great moment. Like uh, for me, it was like meeting Elvis, you know. Yeah, yeah. Only fools rush but I can't help falling in love with you. Thanks for sharing those uh, those moments, those memories from that the eighty or the eighty one shows that you saw there. Hey, let's play something. Want something to go out with? Oh, you gotta play ram, ramrod. I'm, I'm a car guy, so you gotta play a ramrod. Oh yeah, man! <laughs> it's hot stopping Hemi in a thirty two forward, man. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Great talking to you, Lee. Keep it going, man. Keep keep it going. And I love the podcast. And hello to everybody. Hey, listen, I, I just want to mention yeah, yeah. that uh, I'm, I'm opening up a um, music venue right on my property here, which is very similar to um, Bruce's barn on, nice. on his property. Right. It's going to look good. 
still look very much like it. And um, I hope to be uh, open by October. Well, I'll definitely come out there, and we'll either we'll uh, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll watch some so bands. Check, Maybe I'll bring check. my own band out there. We'll please we'll do some gigs, man. Why not? Check out uh, Sam's place on Facebook, and you can see the uh, the progression. And uh, I'm posting photos, and uh, hopefully October we'll get it rocking. Look at that ramrod rocking at Sam's place, just like the Buck Owens song, David. <laughs>
that's the show, folks. Thanks for listening. You can find us on our website at TrampsLikeUsPod.com. Communicate with us on Facebook at our Tramps Like Us podcast group page. Tramps Like Us podcast is a nonprofit audio fanzine created by fans for fans and is available for free. We are not affiliated with Bruce Springsteen or Columbia Sony Records. If you've heard any music you like, please find it and purchase it from BruceSpringsteen.net, Amazon, your local record store, or wherever music is sold. As always, gratitude and respect to Bruce Springsteen and all past and current members of the heart-stopping, pants-dropping, hard-rocking, booty-shaking, earthquaking, love-making, Viagra-taking, history-making, testifying, death-defying, legendary E Street Band. For the button on this episode, i got a bonus song to play for you. As part of the Ties That Bind box set, included on the Blu-ray of the Tempe, Arizona show, are five songs of the band rehearsing, rehearsing for the tour in September 1980. They're on a soundstage at Claire Brothers Audio in Lititz, Pennsylvania. Lititz? Lititz? L-I-T-I-T-Z? Is that like French for breasts or something? Lititz? The band sounds great, loose without an audience there. Bruce and the band seem like they're having a lot of fun here, performing for each other. Let's check out Crush On You from the River Tour Rehearsals in Latitz, Pennsylvania. Turn it up. I stare directly into the camera. <laughs> and then I get the big count on. Uh, one, two, three, four. Oh.